Hello, I'm Tom Wilkinson and welcome to the Thinking in English podcast, a podcast for intermediate to advanced level English learners. Joe Biden has accused Russian President Vladimir Putin of being a war criminal. But what does this mean? What is a war crime? And what makes someone a war criminal? Let's talk about this on today's episode of Thinking in English. Head over to the Thinking in English blog for a full transcript of today's episode. And why not check out my Instagram page, Thinking in English podcast on Instagram, where you can find lots of great, uh, great content and reach out to me if you would like to ask me any questions. Here is today's vocabulary list. As always, the written vocabulary list is found in the description of the podcast and also on my blog, thinkinginenglish.blog. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. If you speak off the cuff, you say something without having prepared or thought about your words first. For example, I hadn't prepared a speech. So I just said a few words off the cuff. Rhetoric. Rhetoric. Speech or writing intended to be effective and influence people. For example, I was influenced by her rhetoric and I donated to her charity. To commit. To commit. To do something illegal or something that is considered wrong. For instance, he was sent to prison for a crime he didn't commit. Humanity. Humanity. Understanding and kindness towards other people. As in, he displayed no humanity to his opponent. To ratify to ratify, especially of a government or organization, ratify means to make an agreement official. For example, many countries have now ratified the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. To prohibit, to prohibit, to officially refuse to allow something, such as Cars are prohibited from driving in the town centre. To prosecute. To prosecute. To officially accuse someone of committing a crime in a court. Such as, he was prosecuted for fraud. Tribunal. Tribunal. A special court who are officially chosen to examine problems of a particular type. As in, she took her case to an immigration tribunal. Explicitly. Explicitly. In a way that is clear and exact. For example, the law explicitly prohibits stealing. Last week, US President Joe Biden 
described Vladimir Putin as a war criminal due to the Russian army's actions in Ukraine. After days of avoiding using such harsh language, Biden first used the term war criminal in an off-the-cuff reply to a reporter's question. And in response, the Kremlin, the Russian government, described Biden's words as unforgivable rhetoric. At first, this might not seem like an overly significant move. Russia and the US are constantly insulting each other and accusing each other of multiple different wrongdoings and crimes. But the phrases war criminal and war crimes are actually very serious and influential terms. The US president's advisors and aides have already been quick to state that it is not an official US policy that Putin is a war criminal. Instead, they say that the, they say that Biden was speaking from the heart after seeing images of violence in Ukraine. There are separate processes and investigations by countries and organizations around the world that will determine whether whether or not Putin or his soldiers are committing war crimes during the war. However, Biden's use of the words war criminal is incredibly significant and influential. Even if it is not US policy or official US policy yet, it is going to make it difficult for Russia and the US to ever work together in the future. After all, how can you work with a criminal? Just before I go on with the rest of the episode, I want to talk quickly about my recent episodes. This uh, episode on war crimes is influenced by Russia's war in Ukraine, just like my previous episodes on nuclear weapons and oligarchies, and also my, my episodes on critical thinking and how to argue. It is sad that I need to talk about all of these topics, but I think it is essential for English learners to have both the vocabulary and the knowledge to properly understand what is happening in the war. So much of the information, commentary and news is produced in English in our modern world. But organisations tend to assume everyone already understands the words and concepts they are using. One of the reasons I started thinking in English was to help English learners like you develop the skills to talk, read and think about such complicated issues in English. I've seen countless examples of people using the terms war crimes or war criminals over the past few weeks, but very few people actually truly understand what it means to be a war criminal or how we can prove someone is such a criminal. Just like the episode on oligarchy last week, I think understanding the concept takes more time than just looking in the dictionary. And I always try my best to base my episodes on reputable sources and evidence, as well as my own studies as a political researcher. But I do always encourage you all to think critically, even about what I say.
I've used the terms war crimes and war criminal a lot already in this episode. And if you look on social media or read articles online, saying that Russia is committing war crimes has already become incredibly common. However, most people tend to use this vocabulary without actually understanding what they are saying. There are clear and set definitions and processes that we use to determine war crimes and to punish those who commit them. So, what is a war crime? And who is a war criminal? And how do we decide or determine whether or not someone or something has committed war crimes? It might surprise some of you, but even wars have rules. Over the years, countries have come together to establish and write laws and guidelines that set out what you can and cannot do during a war or conflict. So a war criminal is someone who breaks and violates such rules. These rules of war, also known as international humanitarian law, are famously found in the Geneva Conventions, as well as other international laws and agreements. The purpose of the rules of war is to save lives, reduce suffering, and keep some humanity even in times of conflict. Wars aim to weaken their enemy, usually by gaining land, overthrowing a government, and destroying resources or infrastructure. Unfortunately, one of the consequences of war is death. International humanitarian law is designed to try and balance the need to weaken an enemy during a war with the desire to limit suffering. And importantly, the rules of law are not just something university professors have written. The core part of the international humanitarian law is the Geneva Conventions. And every single country in the world has ratified and approved the Geneva Conventions. So, in other words, every single country has agreed to follow the rules of law. These rules are universal. They don't just apply to countries or national governments, but anyone fighting in a conflict. An army, a political party, a militia, mercenaries, or even armed civilians. Everyone must follow the rules of law. So, what are the rules of law? When you study international human rights and humanitarian law, the specific rules can become quite complex and detailed. However, I'll introduce a few of the most important parts of international humanitarian law now. First, you must protect people who are not fighting in the war. This includes civilians, so normal people, not part of an army, medical workers or aid workers. You must also protect people who are not able to fight anymore. So if an enemy soldier is injured or taken prisoner, they should be protected. An army must not target civilians. 
Armies should attack other armies, soldiers or military facilities, not civilians and the things that civilians use. This means that whenever possible, people's homes should not be damaged and things like water, crops and animals should be left alone. Also, medical facilities, hospitals and medical vehicles cannot be attacked, can never be attacked. This is the case even if they are treating injured soldiers. As injured individuals all have the right to medical care, no matter which side they are fighting for. Torture and the poor treatment of prisoners is also illegal and prohibited. If an enemy soldier is captured, they must be treated fairly and not abused. They must be given food and water and also allowed to contact their families if they want to. Certain weapons and tactics must also be limited to avoid too much suffering. Although death is part of war, death should not be overly suffered. I guess you should not suffer too much in death. So for that reason, some weapons are illegal. Some of the most famous illegal weapons include poisonous gases, biological weapons, plastic bombs. So uh, bombs that when they explode, fire pieces of plastic because x-ray machines cannot find plastic in the body. Landmines, lasers that cause blindness and cluster bombs. These kinds of weapons are designed to cause suffering and can hurt many people, rather than just defeat the enemy. And also, the rules of war clearly prohibit rape, other types of sexual violence, uh, mass persecution, genocide, and other kinds of discrimination from being used by armed forces as a tactic of war. If you break the rules of law, you can and often will be punished. War crimes have consequences, and they are investigated both by states and international courts. Individuals, not just countries, can be prosecuted and put on trial for committing war crimes. There are generally four possible ways that war crimes are investigated and determined. First, the International Criminal Court, or ICC, has the responsibility to investigate and prosecute individuals who are suspected of committing war crimes. This is an intergovernmental organisation, meaning it is made up of different countries' governments, and it is not part of the UN. Especially if the individual is not being charged by a country, maybe because that country doesn't have war crime laws, uh, the ICC can take charge of the investigation. The ICC is based in The Hague and is already investigating Russian war crimes. It is important to realise, however, that there are limitations to the ICC. The court doesn't have a police force. They can issue arrest warrants, but they rely on other states, other countries, to arrest suspects. 
Russia is not a member of the ICC. They left in 2016. So they would never arrest any of their own citizens for the court. Even if arrest warrants are issued, if the suspects stay in Russia or other countries that are not members of the ICC, they will never be put on trial. And before you assume that only dictatorships and violent countries don't join the ICC, the USA never joined as well. The second way to investigate war crimes is through an international war crimes tribunal supported by the United Nations. The UN has the International Court of Justice, which is designed to solve disputes between countries. But for war crimes, they can also set up war crime tribunals, such as the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. This tribunal was part of the UN, so unlike the ICC, and it was temporary. It was formed just to investigate war crimes during the Yugoslav Wars. A third way to prosecute war crimes is a tribunal set up by a group of countries. So as not all UN countries would support investigating Russian citizens, you know, Russia obviously would uh, object to it, an organization like NATO or the EU or just a group of countries could perhaps set up a court to investigate war crimes. In fact, the most famous war crime court in history was this kind of organization. The Nuremberg trials were set up by the UK, US, France and Soviet Union to investigate, document and punish Nazi war crimes after the defeat of Germany in World War II. A similar trial was also held in Tokyo to investigate Japanese war crimes. So these two trials, the Nuremberg trial and the Tokyo trials, were set up by a group of four countries, rather than the United Nations, which didn't exist at the time. And finally, an individual country can also investigate war crimes. Some countries have their own laws with, that allow them to investigate and prosecute war crimes. For example, Germany is already investigating Putin because in German law, they are allowed to investigate war crimes. Now, it is much easier to charge an individual soldier with war crimes than it is to investigate the leader who ordered such crimes. Often, it is difficult to prove that a national leader explicitly commanded his army to commit such crimes. To counter this problem, the ICC can also investigate the war crime of waging aggressive war. This means that rather than acting in self-defence, a war, conflict or invasion was unjustified and aggressive just for self-benefit. This was one of the main focuses of the Nuremberg trials after World War II. And national leaders have been prosecuted for war crimes in the past. As I already mentioned, the political and military leaders of Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan were tried after World War II, and many were executed or sent to prison. More recently, 
tribunals have dealt with war crimes in Bosnia, Rwanda, and Cambodia, amongst other countries. The former leader of Yugoslavia, Slobodan Milosevic, was put on trial by a UN tribunal for his role in the terrible conflicts that occurred following the collapse of Yugoslavia. He died before a verdict was reached, um, but Bosnian Serbs uh, Radovan Karadzic and Ratko Mladic were also investigated for war crimes by an international tribunal and are now serving life sentences. Other leaders have also been prosecuted. Um, Former Liberian president Charles Taylor was sentenced to 50 years in prison for funding human rights abuses in neighbouring country Sierra Leone. And an African court sentenced the former dictator of Chad, Hisene Habre, to life in prison for crimes against humanity. So here is today's final thought. This episode of Thinking in English has tried to explain the concept of war crimes. I talked a little about the origins of the rules of law, the rules of war, sorry, talked about what countries can't do in conflict, and also discussed how someone can be punished for committing war crimes. I am sure you are all expecting me to comment on whether Russia is committing war crimes and whether Putin is a war criminal. There have clearly been civilians killed in Ukraine, hospitals deliberately destroyed, evacuation convoys shot at, and Russia is also suspected of using illegal weapons, such as cluster bombs. But I honestly think it's better to leave such episodes and investigations to the international courts, tribunals and national criminal systems. The real issue will begin after the war. If Putin or any other Russian is charged with war crimes, how can you prosecute them? Where would the trial take place? Getting any Russian leader to a country that could arrest them would be almost impossible. Already, many of Russia's richest oligarchs have already left Europe and are trying to reach countries that will not join in with any criminal investigation. So, after listening to this episode, what do you think? Is Russia committing war crimes in Ukraine? Is Putin a war criminal? What should happen to Russia and the leaders if they are found guilty of war crimes? Let me know in the comments on the blog, uh, leave a comment on Spotify, or send me a message on Instagram. And yeah, please only send me nice messages. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate every single person who takes the time to listen to my podcast. Make sure you head over to the blog, thinkinginenglish.blog, so you can read the whole transcript of today's episode um, and look at some of the other content I upload onto the blog. Um, you can also check out my Instagram page. I post very regularly, um, and if you want to message me, I always reply to people on Instagram. Please leave a rating and a, a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, leave a rating on Spotify. You can do that now. And I'm trying to get to 150 ratings by uh, the end of February. Please recommend to all of your friends and maybe share on social media. 
and why not go back and listen to a few of the old episodes? It's one of the best ways to support the podcast. You can also donate on uh, the Thinking in English blog um, by going to the support page.、Um, and yeah, have a great day, and I'll see you next time.